from the biggest elephant to the littlest fly. From every fish in the sea to all of the birds in the sky, animals are all around us. Dolphins are animals, just like owls and salamanders and the anoles in a tree. A salamander may not look like an owl, and an owl definitely doesn't look like an elephant. Yet even still, you can tell that they are animals just by looking at them. But why? What could all of these things possibly have in common? What makes an animal an animal? What is an animal? My name's Devin Boker, and you are listening to The Wildlife. I'm so excited that you've joined me today, and I would love to hear from you. Whether it's questions or feedback, you can email me at hello at thewildlife.blog. Maybe the first that you think of are the fluffies, or mammals like dogs and cats, cheetahs and rats. And that's okay too, you'd still be right, and definitely not alone. But what about coral, jellies, sea sponges, or giant gelatinous goo balls bobbing in the lake? Believe it or not, those things are animals too. Officially, animals as a group are technically any multicellular, which means many-celled, eukaryotic organisms belonging to the kingdom Animalia. For most, that sentence means a whole lot of nothing. By the way, kingdom Animalia is not a place, it's a category of life, like, I don't know, a genre of movie. Something like 1.5 million species of animal have been formally described or identified by science. Of those, about one million are insects. To put that into perspective, imagine that one new species popped up every single second. All of currently described animal life would take 17 days, eight hours, and 40 minutes to appear. The first 11 days, 13 hours, 46 minutes, and 40 seconds would be insects. Yet it's estimated that in reality, there are nearly 7 million animal species on this planet, right now, alive. And it's more than possible that insects and other invertebrates make up 99% of all of them. Animals range in size from less than a quarter the width of a human hair to over three times the length of a school bus, and in virtually every shape and pattern imaginable. Yet despite their incredible diversity, there are some key traits that they all share. I'll give you a moment to think of some. Sure, many animals have eyes, legs, or stomachs, but not all of them. Even stomachs are a lot less common than you might realize. 25% of fish, the platypus, and the echidnas are just a sample of animal life who've either had them and lost them, or never had them at all. These shared traits that I'm talking about are a little bit more basic. Like all life, animals need energy to survive. But unlike other living things, plants, some bacteria, animals can't just make themselves food. 
animals need to eat. So we call them heterotrophs. Hetero meaning other, and troph coming from trophos meaning feeder. Obtaining food is half of the equation. Digestion is the other half. In some animals like sponges, this happens in specific cells. In others, like us, it happens within our organs, which are another thing that set animals apart. More on that in a moment. Something else that's shared by all animals is that they need support, internally, externally, sometimes both, sometimes emotionally. 95 to 99% of all animals are invertebrates. Those are animals without backbones. Most of their bodies are covered with exoskeletons, a hard or tough outer covering that provides support. These protect soft body tissues, prevent water loss, protect against predators, all kinds of things. And as the animal grows, it has to shed or molt its exoskeleton and replace it with a new one. Of course, some animals like us have internal skeletons or endoskeletons. These are internal structures that provide support, like, well, our skeletons. If an animal has an endoskeleton plus a backbone, it's called a vertebrate. Bears, bats, spinterongs, belugas, all vertebrates. What makes up the endoskeleton varies. Animals like urchins and sea stars have skeletons made of calcium carbonate. They also have both endo and exoskeletons. Sharks and rays have skeletal systems made of cartilage. And of course, fish, amphibians, reptiles, birds, and mammals have bones. On a smaller scale, another thing that all animals, except for sponges, have in common is that cells are organized into specific types of tissue with specific jobs. Think muscle tissue, brain tissue. It's the level of organization between cells and organs. And having cells organized into tissues like muscle and nerve has allowed animals to become the envy of life track and field day. Animals can move and fast. I mean, not animals are fast, of course, but all animals are at least motile for a part of their lives. Some simpler life, like sponges, start out motile and then later become sessile, which basically means unmoving. But they're kind of a whole other story and we're doing a deeper dive on them later. Another part of the whole what makes an animal an animal question is, well, the making of that animal. Most animals reproduce sexually, but, and here's a shocker, not all. Some are able to reproduce asexually, which is pretty neat. In terms of the sexual type, it goes a little bit like this. Males produce a special type of cell with half the amount of genetic information as a normal cell called sperm. Females do the same, but we call their special cells eggs. Yet even still, some animals, take earthworms for example, are what we call hermaphrodites. These animals produce eggs and sperm at different times, or even simultaneously. They still need another member of the species to reproduce, but the role they play or what they provide can change. No matter how it happens, after sperm penetrates the egg and the good old swapping and merging of genetic information begins, we say that the eggs become fertilized. Now, we call it by a new name, Paul. Just kidding, it's, it's zygote. The thing about fertilization is it can take place in the body or outside the body. Different animals have different strategies that work best for them and their environment. 
Of course, then there's that nifty trick called asexual reproduction, and it can occur in a variety of ways. There's budding, where offspring basically grow or bud off of the parent. Parthenogenesis, when females of a species are able to produce eggs and offspring without any fertilization required. And fragmentation, where the broken pieces of a parent can themselves grow into an adult animal. Bottom line is this. Animals, while tricky, are possible to define. In the coming weeks, I'll be developing a series around animal basics as a lead up to my new podcast series, Class, where we explore all of animal life one class at a time. Each season, a new class. Each episode, a new phylum. I've got tons planned around the series, including educational materials, artwork, and enough episodes to support seasons for years to come. I'm so thankful that you spent your time with me today. I hope you feel like you've learned something new. Thanks for listening. I'm Devin Boker, and this is Wildlife. Wildlife.